A quick warning, this episode contains conversations about overdose, suicidal thoughts, and mental health challenges like PTSD and bipolar disorder. I was like, why am I the one that is trying to like kind of hold us all together? I was depressed for a few months after my brother passed, but then I went right back to school. So the access to mental health care is shot in this country. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Douglas today, and I'm so excited because today I'm joined with a dear friend of mine, Savannah. Miss Savannah, how you doing? Yay, I'm doing good. How are you, Douglas? Oh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Douglas is doing good. Um, so introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit more about you. I am 23 years old. Um, I currently am living in Portland, Oregon. I work at a coffee shop mm-hmm. just down the road, but last year for 10 months, I worked at a mental health nonprofit. So what does mental health mean to you? You say you worked with a mental health organization. Um, How did that kind of, how did your mental health transition into you working with a mental health organization? At the time, it wasn't the best thing for me to do, but it ended up being the best thing for me, if that makes sense. I chose to uh, do an AmeriCorps volunteer uh, experience. It's 10 months long, but if I'm doing that, I want it to have meaning. I cannot, it's a great thing about me, but a hard thing in this society is the work that I do it has to mean something to me. I lost my brother in 2020 to an overdose. Um, It was an accidental overdose, but it's um, unfortunate either way. So that was kind of my, my breaking point, which makes complete sense why it would have been my breaking point because of that part of me that wants to find meaning in whatever I do, though I was still and still am in a way excruciatingly moving through life, I wanted to still be making meaning within that and wanted to be moving through my own while also helping others move through their own. But as I said before, it wasn't the best idea at the time, but sometimes the most (laughs) reckless and scary things end up being uh, really life-changing. So Uh, it's a terrible situation that unfortunately a lot of people can relate to which is terrible, which is kind of why I'm really glad to have you on because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, have been in your position and still are. So how did the loss of your brother kind of transform your idea of mental health? Um, It's because it it made me really look back at my childhood and I have um, two older brothers. I have two younger siblings, but they are half siblings with a different mother. And just all of the situations that we grew up with, um, just like a really unhealthy household, a really complicated divorce with my parents. Um, it's interesting, and this is something I really wanted to get across in this in this podcast, is looking at my two older brothers and me and seeing how we experienced the same thing, but the differences in how us three have moved through life from it is it like silences me. It's it. They each couldn't be any different. My oldest brother, he shut down um, because he saw it all. He was older. He could process it more vividly. Um, He shut down uh, whenever it came to facing my mom, who was 
the most difficult aspect of our childhood. He wouldn't fight. He wouldn't yell. He would just leave. So the second he turned 18, he moved away. My middle brother, Josh, he... He, he did the, I would say the stereotypical thing, which I think the reason why I want to talk about us three is that I don't want to express that there's one main way that people react. I would say my middle brother seems to be the, the expected mm -hmm. way, which is he resorted to drugs. He resorted to alcohol. He resorted to just surrounding himself with really bad people. My route is I just, I was like, all right, even though I was the youngest, even though I was the only girl, which societal standards, that's like the weakest but at the time it was I was like why am I the one that is trying to like kind of hold us all together like right. why am I the one that is giving my mom advice on how to be a good mother it just felt so off but it was kind of all I feel like that was that's all I could do but I was like someone's got to be here someone's got to attempt to like gotta hold down the fort a little bit yeah but because of that I suppressed my own mental health um I guess I should go out and say that I'm diagnosed with uh, bipolar 2, uh, PTSD, and um, I mean with bipolar disorder that is depression, anxiety, kind of all in one. So yeah, because of that role that I put on myself, no one asked me to do that. Yeah, that obviously ended up being the worst thing <laughs> because oh. I'm 23 years old and I broke, you know. It's just like at 23, I'm I should be... I love where I am. I am. I do. But it, it it felt weird. I whenever things got so bad, I would say last January. Oh, my God, it's been over a year. I, I kept asking, like, why now? Like, I wish that I would have, you know, accepted it earlier or even in 2020. Like, yes, I was depressed for a few months after my brother passed. But then I went right back to school. I went right back to work. People move on. The world moves on. Time keeps going. So that obviously ultimately led to me saying, well, if I want to do something that has meaning right now, let me go work at a mental health nonprofit. So where are you yeah. in your grieving process now? Uh, I just, yeah, I like that you said process just because I don't, it's not a line, it's a circle. It's, it's at that point that I, the guilt still rises sometimes where I'm like, I haven't thought about my brother in weeks, months. I wasn't there, but that's a source of my PTSD is I was supposed to go see him that day. And I called him. I apologize for not making it that I was going to see him in a few weeks, but he actually had already passed when I left that voicemail. So it's this weird, I, I got this weird post-traumatic stress from imagining, oh, what if I would have found him? If this explains my grieving patterns, it took from 2020 to the fall of 2022, I started having um, very traumatic dreams and um, just getting triggered by everything, like everything. I would be in a grocery store and I would remember how he, we loved going grocery shopping and then I would freak out. So it's just like those little details used to affect me so, so much and now not more so. So the process right now, I would say my process of grieving is right now I'm actually focused on me. I'm focused on how it affected me, how it affected my relationships, my perception of life, my perception of self. So yeah, I'm just really focused on how I can now heal, which I have the privilege of having a therapist. I have the privilege of having a psychiatrist. And that's something that I saw in the nonprofit that I was like, no wonder people 
are just spiraling. I mean, if I didn't have a therapist, if I didn't have a psychiatrist, I don't even know what would be going on. So the access to mental health care is shot in this country. Walk me through the beginning stages of that and how you got to that point of, you know, seeking out help and using your resources. And bipolar disorder, there's two main phrases. There's uh, being manic or being within mania and then being depressed. I actually really encourage anyone listening to this to actually look up mania because it's super important to do so. There's a lot more aspects of mania than I can even recognize. But I find that when I'm in my phases, it's I feel weirdly confident. I feel just I feel like I'm in a high, but in reality, I'm distracted. Yeah, if anything, I actually kind of dislike that it is called that because when someone's being really crazy, it's mm-hmm. easy for us to be like, you are being manic right now. Right. And there's, all, there's all this stigmatizing language and like I'm using it and I'm someone who is experiencing that feeling. But I think a lot of us uh, uh, know the, the gist of depression. It's not just a little sadness. Um, everyone's sad. Sadness is a very important human emotion. You need sadness to know how good happiness is. Um, but then type two is, which is what I was diagnosed with, um, is quick. It's like hours, it's days. Um, I would say the longest is like weeks. Uh, and I never wanted to seek help because I told myself, like, I don't want to be like my mom. I don't. I really, really don't. So it was a big fear of mine. Um, the The turning point is an unfortunate one. It's one that I never thought that would happen to me. But so growing up, I was obsessed with like this idea of Jesus and about how good he was and like the model that he was and the things he asked of, of human beings. But I struggled whenever I was had little blips of mental health, bad mental health um, moments growing up is I was like, oh, this means that my relationship with God um, is bad. I never understood how people would get to like um, the point of like having suicidal ideations or suicidal actions. That was my turning point is when I had both of those things. And I was like, what is happening to me? I used to, I had this false idea of what a good human was. Um, But I think religion, I think humans wanting to find meaning is really important. I'm still very spiritual, but just not religious. So, so yeah, the point when I know I needed help was whenever, um, yeah, I started having some suicidal ideations. The biggest reason why I started my healing journey, okay, and this is because of the people and the good people in my life. And I, I, that gives me anxiety to say, because that is not a possibility for most human beings to have good, encouraging friends and intentional, loving family members. My older brother, my dad, and my grandmother are like my rocks. And so it's hard to even tell people to like surround yourself with good people. I mean, cause my, my middle brother didn't do that. My older brother had good people, but like, just because he shut down, he shut out friends, you know? And so like, that was, that probably is like what saved me a lot was the people in my life. But again, like that's just not possible for a lot of people, but that's great working in the mental health nonprofit. I still, even though I'm not with them anymore, I still volunteer and do a role that I had there is that we have um, support groups weekly. That support group is the only time in their weeks that they talk to other people 
And so there are ways if you don't have friends and family to do so. But again, it's if you have access to knowing about a support group, access to a nonprofit that will gladly put you in one. What brings you meaning in life? Like relationships and people. I mean, I think of like every situation in my life um, and the parts that made it better was, I mean, a stranger, um, a person, a, that's why I love working at a coffee shop. Like the people that I meet and the stories that I, that I hear and, um, but really what brings me the most meaning is, is people. I love observing people. We're all, because I've noticed how intricate I am, I see, like I drive home and I'm, I hate the Portland drivers suck ass, but (laughs) I'm like thinking like there's so many people in this place. And if my life has been as complex and as intricate and as terrifying as it has been, so has all of theirs. And that it's like overwhelming, but it's like beautiful. So yeah, people bring me the most meaning. They really do. Relationships, um, something can have meaning or it doesn't have to. Something can have beauty and or it doesn't have to. Like there's, we, we think in extremes in a way. And I think that something I realized about my mental health and and something that helped me is it's that you can be both mentally unwell, but like helping and loving people. You can be both, I don't know, you can be both like angry at a situation, at a person, but also still like love them and have grace for them. And you can be both bipolar and live a really beautiful life. I feel weak and powerless at times, but like, I have also worked excruciatingly hard to still make my life really beautiful. Um, You can be both struggling with your mental health and also living a beautiful life. Um, Because really, I'm a firm believer that people who have a lot of ups and downs with their mental health are the most self-aware. And I think self-awareness is probably, I'm pretty confident that's probably one of the most important attributes of a human being. Um, because you're aware of your place in the world. You're aware of your power as a single human. You're aware of where you hurt people, so therefore you can become aware of how to heal and help people. For more conversations like these, or to find a support system near you, go to generationsos.org.